Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Alexis and Suzanne here with a quick message about our early season one episodes. Just like it took Rory time to get settled into Chilton and the Gilmore Girls writers to develop the role of a random guy named Mick to the Kirk that we all know and love, here at Talking Fast, it took us some time to learn to podcast. As you listen to our early episodes, we ask for your patience as you witness our process of learning how to host a podcast, organize an episode, edit audio, get new equipment, and more. We also understand that sometimes you just like to skip over the Independence Inn and get to the good parts of Lorelai and Suki living out their dreams running the dragonfly. So if that's the case, feel free to skip ahead to after our mid-season one recap where we feel we hit our podcasting groove. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy and stick around. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Hello. This week we are covering season one, episode eight, Love and War and Snow. The Netflix bio for this is... Snow strands Rory at her grandparents' home while Lorelai spends the day with her beau. Meanwhile, Lane misses Rory and comes to visit. One of my favorite episodes, maybe of the whole show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like it. Wow. I, another kind of iconic episode following the last one. They were both very strong in my memory, and I didn't quite realize they happened so early in the season either. Yeah, that's so true. It was a delight. Maybe by the time this episode is released, we'll have snow. Yeah, that would be nice. Although, it could also wait until after Thanksgiving, because I have to drive. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) still, I love snow. Yeah, I like the snow in the show. That was very nice. Mm But getting ahead of ourselves, we still have our Talking Fast segment to get us started. Before we do that, we just want to mention to everybody that We are a new podcast, and we're still building our listeners. So if you've been enjoying what we've been putting out so far or have some helpful critiques, (laughs) feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out um, just to hear from our listeners and to see what you're liking and all that. And you can also always follow us on Instagram at Talking Fast Podcast. We post weekly and sometimes have fun memes and stuff um yeah just a little Mm -hmm. uh, psa reviews anything email (laughs) okay let's go to our talking fast segment i'll go first i volunteer you know as katniss everdeen once said (laughs) okay are you ready and go the episode begins with our first town hall meeting talking about reenacting a scene from the 
Revolutionary War. Then it is nighttime and Lorelai senses that snow is coming. The next day the snow does arrive. Rory makes it to her grandparents but Lorelai doesn't. So then Lorelai goes on a nighttime surprise date with Max. Rory is stranded and makes a frozen pizza at the Gilmore's. Then she comes home and finds Max on her couch. Oh my god! <laughs> the end. <laughs> That's pretty much everything. Thanks. I feel pretty good about it, actually, for the first time ever, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, there is a lot that happened. Okay, I'll, I'll do mine first and then discuss it. <laughs> You're trying to get some extra time, know, you know? know. Like, <laughs> Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, so we start off with a town meeting not led by Taylor, strangely, and they're going to reenact something from the Revolutionary War. Um, Luke is disgruntled, and then Lorelai smells snow, and Rory goes to school, and she come, ends up staying the night at uh, Emily and Richard's, makes them pizza. Lorelai has a date with Max. Um, Luke is jealous. Lane is uh, missing Rory and sad. And then Rory comes home and sees... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel bad every time cutting you off. <laughs> One of these days, I will actually talk fast during talk, talking fast. <laughs> I know. I suppose we should clarify, perhaps the title of our podcast is more aspirational than real. <laughs> so let's slow down. Okay, cool. I, I mean, our first thing is the town meeting, and I... Mm-hmm. I was once again surprised that this was like the first town meeting we've had because it seems so integral to the show um and we're already like on episode eight i think and this is the first town meeting Mm -hmm. um i loved it i also thought it was interesting that we get this mayor who never (laughs) exists again Do you remember the the kiki palmer meme about like sorry to this man oh i don't think so Okay, so she's being interviewed in a lie detector, and they show her a picture of Dick Cheney, the vice president, and she says, um, she, <laughs> she says, I've never, like, I've never seen this man before. I hope I don't sound stupid, but I could see him walking down the street, and I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. <laughs> and I can't do it as well as she does. She has such excellent comedic timing. I think she's so good at acting and comedy. Uh, but that's what I was thinking about when I saw this hairy person. I have never seen this person in my life. Yeah. Is this the mayor? I think they must have real. The writers must have realized that Taylor is clearly the more entertaining character who could act as the spokesperson for like the town government. Because I do not think we see Harry ever yeah, again. Yeah, we also like <laughs> like who is don't this? see the actual position of mayor ever again. Taylor's not the mayor, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was like surprised. And honestly, the character kind of is just like Taylor, just not as good, as good at being snarky as Taylor is. So I'm, I understand why they like condense the roles. But I also found it mm-hmm. interesting for Taylor. To be kind of subordinate, which never happens again. Mm-hmm. We had to kind of uh, bite his words um, at some point. Yeah. And this was such a fun moment where they're um, talking about arranging this reenactment of these soldiers from the Revolutionary War from Stars Hollow who apparently stood out 
outside all night and then their opponents never arrived and they like to reenact this every single year which sets off some fun debate with Luke that I'll mention a bit more in my gazebo moment but what I also enjoyed was that Lorelai and Rory are there with snacks and watching this like it's almost like they're going to the theater the way that this is so entertaining to them, which is a classic activity you see them do multiple times throughout the show. It also kind of gives like a a glimpse at the Stars Hollow that we were never acquainted with since we just hopped in at this moment a few like months earlier. Mm-hmm. But we get this idea that they've been watching Luke do this every year and every year he gets mad in the same way. Um and it's charming mm-hmm. and and we'll have many more town meetings. The next scene we get is Lorelai waking up in the middle of the night, I think, and going and opening a window and then listening to Max Mandina's voicemail for the hundredth time. Mm-hmm. And I also love I love this scene. Um Lorelai says that she smells snow and I, f- I feel like I can smell snow when it's coming. <laughs> Mm. The air smells like You cold. and Lorelai have that ability. Yeah. <laughs> I think for any of us who have watched the show, we know about Lorelai's affinity for snow. This really memorable, lovely line, I smell snow, mm. is really, really good. I was thinking perhaps this is the relationship that should be prized of all of them. <laughs> Lorelai and Snow, yeah. like, it's a positive relationship. <laughs> Nothing ever bad happens here. Um, but I, as I was re-watching this scene, I was thinking about, like, she wakes up and there's this music playing in the background. It's so pleasant. And her face, she looks so dazzled and amazed. It's like, just so magical, truly. Like, I re- I really buy into it. Like, I could kind of go here or there for snow. I have mixed feelings. But when I'm watching Lorelai talk about snow, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's it's magical. Yeah, she said something about, I don't remember if she says this now or when she's talking to Luke later, but, like, the whole world goes quiet when it snows. And I love that moment also, like, when it's freshly snowing and everything is just kind of muffled and quiet outside and it's just peaceful and beautiful. Yeah, she says she loves the clothes, which is accurate for Lorelai. She also says everything is pretty, everything is magical, nothing bad happens, everything good in her life has happened when it snowed. Yeah, I did find it kind of interesting that she says Rory was born during a snowstorm, but Rory, her birthday's in, like, mid-October. And I don't think it's normal for there to be snow, even in New England, in mid-October. But I, I also have never lived there, so we'll just let that be. <laughs> uh, suspend my To disbelief. our New England <laughs> listeners, yeah, please call in and inform us. Do star do towns like Stars Hollow have random dirt roads with trees? <laughs> do they have snowstorms in October? Do they take AP tests in the middle of the semester? <laughs> we have questions for you. <laughs> yeah, we really need to know how um, realistic this whole show is. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. As you mentioned a minute ago, too, something else that happens when Lorelai wakes up because she senses snow 
Um, since she's awake, she decides to go replay a voicemail from Max Medina, which Rory like walks in on this and says, oh, you're listening to it again. So we get the clue that though Lorelai and Max haven't gone on their date yet, she has been thinking about him quite often. And he leaves her a pretty, I thought, charming mm-hmm. voicemail to talking about how he's grading, but he's thinking about her and he still wants to go on the date with her. And this is a nice bit of foreshadowing for the fact that they will run into each other later that day and finally have their date. We also get a little scene after this at the inn where Lorelai is talking some more about snow and we get um, Michelle hating snow, which is in character with Michelle. Um, There was also a moment that I wanted to bring up in this short scene, and I should have taken better notes, um, but it it was referring back to something I said, I think maybe when we were talking about episode three or something, um, that uh, I thought, or I headcanon Suki as autistic. And part of this scene, I don't remember exactly what it was that Michelle said, but Suki then looks to Lorelai and asks her if he's serious, like asks if she should be taking this literally. And she did... She took something very literally in the last episode as well when she and Lorelai were talking at Luke's. And so I just wanted to like circle back to that original point and have this as like more evidence that we might be able to read Suki as um, somebody on the aut- autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Another character trait of Suki's that I love. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you noticed that. What you're describing sounds like good evidence. Yeah. We'll see if it holds out as we keep going. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Then this is when we start to see that Rory and Lane are having kind of some issues, though Rory isn't really picking up on them at the moment. Lane is trying to tell Rory about her new crush or the love of her life, depending on (laughs) how we want to fall. Uh, Rich, I think his name was. Rich Blumenfeld or something like that. Yeah, with the hair. (laughs) And Rory is very distracted throughout this entire conversation. First, she's looking for her chemistry book. Then she's asking Lane what time it is and cuts Lane off as she's talking. We'll see how this kind of comes to a head later on. But I found myself really frustrated with Mm -hmm. Rory at this moment. Lane has been such a good ear for Rory the last couple episodes when Rory was talking to her about Dean. Like, she was... Lane was very enthusiastic and active in those conversations. You just, it's a two-way street, you know? (laughs) Gotta do better, Rory. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely felt for Lane here. I, like, can think of specific circumstances in my life where I felt exactly like she was feeling at this point. Just, like, not listen to, kind of, like, my problems aren't as important as yours. And, yeah, I felt for Lane. And I definitely have more to say on this. Um, but, yeah, it's a be- it's a good, like, beginning of the storyline. Then, after this, we see... So, Lane and Rory have walked to the bus stop. We meet up with Dean briefly. Um, they talk about some books. And then that's the basically the end of this, like, beginning of the day. We pick back up with them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the bus stop lane is definitely a third wheel. I feel for her so hard. In high school, by my senior year, I had a lot of friends who were 
dating like within my sort of social circle and I was often either the third or the fifth or two plus two plus yeah five (laughs) um I was often the odd one out shall we say Mm -hmm. so I felt for this but none of my friends would ever just make out next to me rude uncalled for you know (laughs) I don't mind PDA is someone else's choice, but the fact that you're actively ignoring the third person next to you is what is not so cool. That's it's just so so rude. <laughs> Especially mm-hmm. like when Lane was talking to Rory and then they just start making up. It's just so mean to her. Fast forward though to the night portion of this episode, uh, which is sort of um the rest of the structure of the episode is like the evening at the Gilmore's, which is where Rory is, and then the other half is the evening with Lorelai. She meets Luke, and then she meets Max, spends most of the episode with Max, and we're kind of flashing back and forth between these nights as they progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought Lorelai um, walking around, and then when she starts talking to Luke, I thought that was one of the sweetest moments um because she kind of just like tries to convince him to like snow Mm -hmm. and it's adorable oh in this scene we also get uh something terrifying that happens which is lane um she touches rich's hair (laughs) they're just i guess in jazz band like standing outside waiting to go inside Mm -hmm. and the band instructor also says something that I remember from when I took band. Um, don't put the instrument to your mouth until you're inside. And I remember being in band. Those metal instruments in the winter when it's cold outside, if you put those to your mouth, you, mm-hmm. there's a chance you might get stuck to it. <laughs> so I thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're waiting outside and Lane just like, she gets the impulse and she goes with it and she just runs her fingers through his hair and then bolts off because that is terrifying it's 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 agonizing to listen to you describe (laughs) this scene just as it was to watch it i had such secondhand like horror Mm -hmm. as this was happening i will say obviously lane is embarrassed because she's a bit humiliated you know people saw her do something really weird (laughs) So Lane says to Lorelai later on that she did this without his permission. So I wanted to just flag this because there's been multiple times where guys have gotten into gotten into either Lorelai or Rory's physical space without asking or, you know. And so Lane here recognizes that was his personal space and she invaded it and it wasn't okay. I want to say props to Lane for realizing the things that the guys have not on the show mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, that you can't just get into people's space and you need to, like, ask for their consent to touch their hair first. Or, you know, better yet, Mm -hmm. never go into touch somebody's hair. I don't think that there's ever a good time to be doing that. I mean, if you're in a relationship with somebody, of course, like, you can touch their hair, I guess. But a stranger somebody you're just an acquaintance with even a friend i would say Mm -hmm. just don't go around touching people's hair or getting in their space Mm -mm. it's not good but yeah it's good that she realizes that she is a teenager so we can forgive her mistakes poor Mm -hmm. girl 
well, anyways, Lorelai and Rory are on the phone, and Rory is telling her that the weather is so horrible, and Lorelai won't be able to drive to the Gilmores and whatnot. But as Rory is saying this, I think we're supposed to think she just came into the house. And if the weather is like a blizzard outside, why is it that Rory doesn't have like a single (laughs) hair out of place? She's so dry. She doesn't look damp at all. I thought that was just a classic like Hollywood thing of her being like, I just came in. It's horrible out there. But looks like she's on a movie set, you know, perfect. (laughs) They hadn't quite gotten that snow machine working yet. I hadn't even (laughs) noticed that. Good, good detail. Uh huh. Well, I think I was just thinking about, you know, traveling to campus when it is Mm -hmm. snowing or raining or anything like that. You do not look like what Rory looked like in that moment. Yeah. Your (laughs) socks are soaked, especially if you were just wearing like Oxfords. Mm -hmm. You're covered in snow. You're sweaty also somehow as well. And your hair is everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. You're a lot of things all at once. And most of them are making a feeling of uncomfortableness yeah. yeah but Lorelai sees Max and his um his car is broken down we got earlier in the episode some information that he teaches a class in a town nearby Stars Hollow so that's where he had been um but mm-hmm. this is as he says kismet um which is a word I mm-hmm. have never used myself before <laughs> but is a very nice word right Right, as a kind of synonym for fate, right? Or destiny, maybe, like it was meant to be. And previous to this, Lorelai had just been explaining to Luke that to her, snow signifies a present from the universe. And so it's, I think we can easily read that the present from the universe in this situation is that Max is there and that Rory is conveniently gone Mm -hmm. too. Like (laughs) it's the perfect recipe for their first date finally. And a sad thing though is that Luke is standing and he sees them across the (laughs) distance as they have their first kiss. And (laughs) oh, it's so sad. And I, I for, we didn't mention earlier, but when Luke and Lorelai had their conversation about snow, Lorelai walks away, and as she's walking away, Luke looks at her. It's like a lingering look. I would describe it not, you know, Emily described his looks in a weird way yeah, in the previous eerie. episode. I would simply say it was a look of longing, mm-hmm. you know, like... It was very lovely, and so then in this moment where he's looking at her, it's very, like, melancholy. You, there's so much you see just in that look alone. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing re-watching it. Like, I think I've said before, like, it's amazing how little we've gotten of Luke so far. Because he does, mm-hmm. like, to me, seem like he's in everything just because I've seen the whole show so many times. It's amazing that with just the small amount that we've gotten, we already know he's in love with Lorelai. We've gotten teased mm-hmm. here and there that she might at least think he's cute but yeah knowing that right. and seeing like the look on his face as Lorelai and Max kiss which the audience is probably kind of cheering for because they also have great chemistry but at the same time mm-hmm. it's just so sad poor Luke he has to watch again <laughs> yeah yeah it is sad but as you point out I also do love that the show simultaneously offers us as you said this very like sexy and romantic full of chemistry 
and one-liners from Max and Lorelai too. Like I felt for Luke, but I also felt excited mm-hmm. for Lorelai and Max. And you want to see where it goes. Yeah, I, I feel like often in movies and shows when there is like a friendship that will later become a love interest, the like the other person that the main character dates is usually bad in some way. Like, they're a, mm-hmm. uh, it's a bad relationship. But Max is... I mean, we have had qualms here and there with how they've started their relationship. But overall, he's a great guy and they have a great relationship together. So it's, yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of a unique thing to see. And also to have those conf- conflicting emotions towards <laughs> towards our protagonist. Someday they'll get together, but it is not this day. (laughs) But this is the day that we get our first kind of steamy sort of scene from the show. They take it a further level. Um, So this date results in them going to Lorelai's house. And she points out that she has dated, in quotation marks, it's a euphemism basically for hooking up or sex, what you will. Uh, But she's never done it in her house before. And I think Max has a great line here where he says, basically, like, you'll need to decide that um, some guy's worth opening the front door for. And I'm, like, volunteering, basically, is what he said. Um, He's very poetic. (laughs) English teacher. (laughs) Very romantic. (laughs) Yeah, part of me when I was watching this, like, I wanted to critique it. I was like... Is he pushing her too far? Is um, mm-hmm. is he kind of, you know, coercing her into letting him letting him in? But in the end, I don't think so. I think we don't ever get the idea that if she had finally just said no, let's meet it up again another night, that he would have been mad. He would have accepted it. So I, yeah, I feel like it is just him being ridiculously charming, and saying exactly what Lorelai wants to hear, but also she's the one who at first suggests that maybe they, you know, don't continue with coffee and continue upstairs. So I feel like it is it is so much mm-hmm. mutual and like his convincing her is more just like a form of foreplay for them. <laughs> just like the banter is is their own foreplay. So Right. And I've, you know, a lot of people say foreplay shouldn't even be considered foreplay, but just as like part of the main event. (laughs) And so I, but I think you're totally right to point out that they get, there is a satisfaction that they're getting from their banter. And so then they start to do this thing that people do in shows and movies (laughs) all the time, which is like the kiss and walk. And they're, I'm just like, how often do people really do this in real life? Because you'd be bumping into a lot more stuff in reality. Like, can't you just walk and then go kiss at the destination? (laughs) Please be more efficient. Uh, That's just what I was thinking about watching this. (laughs) But then we also get another mortifying Lane moment where she has Mm -hmm. been in Rory's room this entire time. And she comes out... um, and finds them making out together. And at this point, I this is like another Max is okay kind of moment. Because um, Lorelai basically says, okay, that's that. We're not going to continue. I have to go and take care of Lane. And he completely accepts it. He even mm-hmm. sleeps on the couch. He doesn't like put any more pressure mm-hmm. on here. 
And it kind of reminds me that he does, in fact, work with teenagers, so he knows that there do need to be these boundaries at some point um, when teenagers are around. Mm -hmm. So I felt like that was good. Also, I felt so bad for Lane, like just embarrassing moment after embarrassing moment. But Lorelai is pretty good with her. Yeah, Lane is really going through it this episode. Um, And Lane was at their house to begin with because she wanted to tell Rory about this incident, the hair-touching incident. So when Lorelai finds Lane, uh, she is kind of the shoulder for her to cry on in this moment, and she gives her pretty good advice. She talks her down, says basically, like, everyone makes mistakes, Um, it's how you deal with the situation that matters and you'd have to imagine this is probably better advice that she got from Lorelai than what like Mrs. Kim would have said too um, which is kind of funny yeah yeah I definitely got the feeling that it wasn't exactly what Lane wanted to hear because only Rory could really Mm. give her that like no matter how good Lorelai is she's still you know an adult (laughs) so her perspective is going to be not quite as satisfying maybe as what Rory could give her, which would be like astonishment, um, mutual embarrassment, (laughs) that kind of stuff. But it was, yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. um, Even so she never mentions it again. So, (laughs) but I guess that Mm -hmm. brings us to what's happening with Rory this entire time, which is she's been stuck at her grandparents. I thought that the, the whole Friday night dinner thing with, Rory and the grandparents was just really cute because their Mm -hmm. cook can't make it because of the weather so they have to fend for themselves Richard and Emily do not know what they're going to do they have a a refrigerator and freezer full of food that needs to be prepared and they don't know what to do with it but Rory finds a frozen pizza and convinces these two hoity-toity rich people to eat a frozen pizza with grated parmesan on it. Mm-hmm. It was adorable. This was really, really funny to me. They are both so useless in this moment. Um, and Rory is the one who is so capable. Uh, when Rory says that they could whip up something, <laughs> Emily's face, when she says whip up, like... <laughs> It's so funny. It made me think of um, the Princess Diaries when Mia says shut yeah. up to her grandma, the Excuse Princess Clarice, me. and she's never heard this. <laughs> she's never heard this phrase before. Um, and I thought it was something similar of, it's not a perfect comparison, but yeah. Um, I thought the whole frozen pizza thing was so funny they're both eating it with a fork and knife like silverware too and i'm sure it's actual silver as well Mm -hmm. not just silverware (laughs) and rory (laughs) rory's telling them how it makes all the difference to put the grated parmesan on the pizza which is speaking my love language i have i love grated parmesan so much it's one of my personality traits to be honest (laughs) i so i could relate to that um i eat a lot of frozen pizza as a grad student too so just like lorelei and rory it's also a staple of my diet uh i also (laughs) i'm kind of rambling but i found this really funny uh emily doesn't know what the timer on her oven sounds like she goes up to rory like the oven is making a sound and she is 
desperate. And she's like, you need to come look at it. And it's a timer in her oven and she doesn't know how to turn it off. Like, how can you own an oven and not know how to operate it? It's mind-blowing. Yeah, she must have heard it before. Like, even if the cooks turned it off, like... But actually, also, that Mm. reminded me of something else that happens in that scene. Um, Mm -hmm. That's going to be important down the line. Not necessarily in this episode, but when Rory's in... Lorelai's old room she's looking through her stuff and finds some photo albums and especially like a photo booth strip of pictures of Lorelai and Christopher when they were teenagers obviously and she pockets it um we don't get any explanation or anything about this yet but we do see it briefly again at the very end of the episode and I have a feeling it will come up soon. <laughs> That's a good eye for some potential foreshadowing that we mm-hmm. yeah, know of because of hindsight mostly. But they also look at a photo album. She finds that as well in Lorelai's room. So Emily, Richard, and Rory are looking at that, having some fun going down memory lane. Uh, we learn that Emily has a sister named Hopi who lives in <laughs> Paris. And I, this is yet another person I've never mm-hmm. heard of She's before. Never I do it. not think they'll pursue this. Yeah. <laughs> because that seems cool. Like, Emily's sister, I would love to know what mm-hmm. she's like. And they call her the great expatriate. So she is someone living in Paris. I feel like she must be kind of fancy, but maybe a bit more, like, free than Emily. I don't know. But, uh, but ultimately, I continued to notice how Rory displays such an interest in their family and family history, unlike Lorelai, um, similar to how, you know, Rory asked a lot of questions of Richard about his own life when they were on their golf outing. Um, I think that's a really, like, positive component of her relationship with the grandparents. Um, yeah, I agree. I also, like, I think it's it's so different from how Lorelai works with them, and it just makes me think of, like, how rare it is for a child, even once they're a grown adult, to really ask their parents very many questions. But it's different with grandparents because mm-hmm. um, you're not, a, you weren't around them every day for eighteen plus years, and they're a little bit more of a mystery. Um, but yeah, I love that she's curious into finding things out, and they also apparently like that a lot. And while she is at the Gilmore's, I think the last major thing to mention is that she does receive a call from Lane. And this is when Lane is trying to tell her about the Rich incident. But it also, I think because Lane is so worked up about that, she also kind of uses this as the moment to share what she's been feeling for a while, which is that Uh, Rory hasn't really been that great of a friend to her recently. Lane points out that she's been gone a lot because of Chilton, but when she is at Stars Hollow, she's been using a lot of the time for Dean, and when they are together, she's just not really listening like she should. I think these were all fantastic points, and um, I'm with Lane on Mm -hmm. this one. Uh, They end up not being able to finish the phone call though because of the weather it kind of ends and they do reconcile later the next morning uh where rory admits basically she concedes all of these points and says she'll do better yeah yeah that 
pretty much brings us to the end of the episode where Rory returns mm-hmm. to Stars Hollow and finds Max sleeping on her couch. Um, she and Lorelai have a hurried, whispered conversation um, about how awkward this is. <laughs> and then, yeah, mm-hmm. then Rory and Lane make up. And I thought a very, like, was a very mature, mature scene. Yeah, because Lane also says that she is jealous of Rory's life and that she's not sure she fits in Rory's life anymore. And Rory responds that they're like Legos, basically that always fit, always have a place for each other, uh, which I think is really sweet. And it it's just really sweet. I really treasure their friendship. <laughs> as cheesy as it is, it's just so good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> And once again, I just feel so bad for Rory coming home to know to find out that her English teacher is sleeping on her couch, as she says. This shouldn't happen, you know? Like, I know Rory surprised her. She didn't think she'd be home so soon. But this kind of monumental thing, I feel like she should warn Rory before. Ask that it's okay, all of this stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, there was, though, a moment that I want to bring up because I didn't choose it for any of my later moments, but... Um, where Rory finally, like, says, you know, you can date men, you you can bring them into my life, um, (laughs) with more warning, but then she also says, I know you're not a cat person, so you truly will be alone if you don't find somebody, and as a cat person, um, I thought that was very funny. Uh, dig it, cat people. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good line. (laughs) We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Casablanca, Funny Girl, Pippi Longstocking. What do all these films have in common? They are three of the 15 film reels that we own at the Black, White, and Red Bookstore, where we moonlight as a high-culture cinema. Here at the Black, White, and Red Theater, we know how much you like your homey comforts. We have vintage velvet couches, squishy armchairs, rickety benches, and plenty of pillows fluffed by our employee, Kirk. This Friday, you know what you'll be doing for date night. Stop by Al's Pancake World for their world-famous tacos, and bring them on into the Black, White, and Red Theater for a screening of one of 15 possible films. While we cannot promise an undisturbed viewing experience, we can promise an experience. And this month only, mention Talking Fast Podcast to Kirk at the box office and get an extra two votes toward your movie choice when all attendees vote on which movie will play. Remember, mention Talking Fast Podcast to Kirk for two extra votes toward your choice of movies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline let's head off to rory's bookshelf to discuss the most notable pop culture references in this episode and then let's go to lorelei's closet to check out the best and worst fashion choices in the show 
there were actually a lot of um, literary references in this episode, I thought. But the one that I wanted to bring up was Jane Austen, who were uh, they talk about at the beginning with Rory and Dean. I was trying to, like, zoom in or just stand close to my TV um, to, to figure out what book it was. And I'm pretty sure it's either Persuasion or Sense and Sensibility based off of the cover. But I love Jane Austen. And I wanted to ask you what your favorite Jane Austen book is, if you've read any. Jane Austen did Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. right? That's the one I've okay. read. Is that the one where, like, everyone, it's a universal truth? Yeah. And so you can see my, my knowledge is wavering, actually, of Austen. And, but I liked it. Good. Yeah, I love Jane Austen. I, I think we've kind of established, based off of our previous conversations, that I and more of a British literature person as a medievalist. Um, <laughs> so it makes sense that I am more familiar with Jane Austen, even though she's early modern. Mm-hmm. I love her work. My mom, She's my mom's favorite author. My mom, like, rereads all her books every year. And my mom mm-hmm. and I were going to go on a Jane Austen England tour because I had a conference in England summer of 2020. And it was canceled. Dun, dun, dun. Hopefully we'll be able to go sometime. But, yeah, that's how much we love Jane Austen. (laughs) Um, I also thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. that Dean brought up, was it Hunter Thompson? Who I I haven't read anything by, but he wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And he's just such a Mm -hmm. typical dude author like so stereotypical of course this is the one Mm -hmm. that this high school boy has read right I actually I was familiar with the name but at the time of the episode it couldn't bring up much for me so I googled it quickly and it was about like um reporting and journalism um he like traveled I guess with a motorcyclist for a while um also was kind of into like counterculture which I think is a big thing like dude writers love is like white men men want to imagine like what it's like to be (laughs) marginal (laughs) like we got to be counter to the main culture that is meant for us (laughs) um and he liked guns apparently Mm -hmm. so and drugs you know multiple sides to him but I don't know anything too much to really critique him other than that I completely agree like Rory has just like giving you a woman writer and he's like but you need to read this guy sex drugs and rock and roll it's like when in high school boys say that their favorite book is like a clockwork orange or something it's like that is literally Mm. not your favorite book it's literally the only book you've read because it sounds like the premise is sex and violence that's it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds like something Jess would have told her to read too, actually. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Do you think, I feel like Jess would recommend like Kerouac, mm. you know, the On the Road. Does he? Re- he, he might. Yeah. We'll but see. He, we'll see when we get there. a bit more variety in his reading taste, but he probably mm-hmm. also, yeah, would uh, disappoint me that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but did you have anything for Rory's bookshelf? Mm-hmm. I noticed that when Max was grading papers, he said he was grading a paper called 
Emily Dickinson get a life. <laughs> and I am obsessed. I think that is, it was like a throwaway line, but it is so funny. Emily Dickinson was known for being like uh, reclusive. And um, I think she actually wasn't quite as reclusive as her like literary legacy uh, makes you think. Like, I think Dickinson is kind of in pop culture again because there is a show oh, yeah. based on her called Dickinson. The From the trailer and a couple of clips, it seems very loosely based, shall we say, on her actual life. But she didn't really publish during her lifetime. The poetry we have is published afterward and whatnot. But I just imagine Max Benita giving, like, a very thoroughly historically contextualized lesson on Dickinson and then the student says Emily Dickinson get a life (laughs) honestly I think I don't know I want to read the paper that makes me laugh quite I don't know if I would really that was I don't know if I'd be disappointed if I got something like that it's like I would be pretty impressed Mm -hmm. like you you absorbed enough of the information about her to have this opinion so that's Mm -hmm. something (laughs) I want to read the paper. (laughs) I wonder if there's like a fake paper written somewhere. Or I'll I'll write it maybe. (laughs) Did you have anything for Lorelai's closet? I was noticing the hat that Lorelai was wearing when it was snowing outside. I like to think this is like the hat that she puts on for the first day of snow because it looks like a knit hat, maybe black or like dark navy. And it has little snowflakes kind of um, etched on. I don't know the proper terminology, but uh, they're like little snowflakes on the hat. And it's a very simple hat, but it looks so cozy. It was really linked to like the whimsy and magicalness of the snow. Uh, Really reiterates how much she likes snow. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really cute and I would wear it. (laughs) Mine actually is in the same outfit. (laughs) Mine was the blue scarf that she's wearing for that first snow walk um I love a good scarf and that one just looks like very cozy and long the worst kind of scarf is Mm. one that's like either I like scarves that are either like full like cowl neck kind of things or long enough to wrap Mm -hmm. around a couple times the worst scarf is one that you can only wrap around once and that one looked Nice and long and comfy. I just want to go and walk in the snow with Lorelai. <laughs> Someday. Welcome to Stars Hollow is a chance for us to take a nostalgic stroll through the town, discussing its cozy and comfortable aesthetics. What were you thinking about for this segment this week? I've said it a million times already, but the snow, just the how the town changed when it snowed last time we talked about like all of their harvest decorations and stuff like that and we all of that is taken down at this point and we just get like the beautiful snow and it's I mean it's fairly obvious that it's fake snow but still it gives you the same like feel everything just seems kind of softer and quiet um and romantic Mm -hmm. like Lorelai sees Max and it's just like a moment of pure snowy romance (laughs) Um, and there's just like so Mm -hmm. many yeah just so many good things that can happen on a night like that Mm -hmm. and so that was that was my stars hollow moment did you have anything 
I was thinking about the snow as one, but I think I will settle on um, a kind of tangential scene related to the snow right before it's about to arrive. Lorelai like walks down to her living room and opens a window really wide (laughs) and we have to imagine it's either 32 or below right if it's about to snow so it's pretty cold and um Rory comes down and they both end up sitting on the couch sharing a blanket basically just waiting for the snow and talking to each other in this moment they're both awake at a time that they shouldn't be um I thought it was a sweet moment that again highlighted their kind of individual relationship like I wouldn't I've never done this with my mom before let's just say you know Uh, it's atypical and um and that the windows open like it's not a completely rational thing that they're doing but they're enjoying it together it's still a bonding moment for them uh or not bonding but it's a moment that brings them together and it's really nice sharing the blanket um as a side note I forgot to mention this, but uh, Lorelai apologizes for waking Rory up. And Rory says, like, don't worry about it. It's just another thing for the tell-all. And so I know they were not planning the revival this early because clearly much about the revival suggested that they were not thinking it through. (laughs) Uh, But we could read this as foreshadowing that Rory will someday write a book based on their lives. Yeah, I hadn't even caught that. Wow. That's my moment. (laughs) I think it's time for Friday Night Dinner, our once-a-week opportunity to critique something from this episode. Did you have anything for Friday Night Dinner this week? Yeah, I thought I would continue a critique I made earlier about how for Emily and Richard... Certain people are expendable, uh, invisible, interchangeable, uh, and these are like the domestic workers that they employ. And at the time, I talked about how there's the running joke about how so many of these workers are nameless or faceless, and sometimes it's met comedically. This continued, this comedy continued in this episode. Emily describes how Florence, their cook, can't make it because of the storm. And she says this in a way as if she's been put Mm -hmm. out. Like, she's been, um, like, inconvenienced by the fact that this... by By the fact that Florence is just preserving her safety by not driving in this weather. Um, and in this conversation, also, Richard doesn't even recognize the name Florence. Like, he asks, who's that? And Emily says, our cook. So the fact that Richard doesn't even know her name really makes you question, well, how does he treat her when she's there? Uh, if you, And also, then, later on, Emily mentions Anna, who's their current maid. And Richard jokingly guesses, like, oh, that's the maid. And it's like, he wants a pat on the back for remembering one person's occupation and name uh so ultimately this just further highlighted for me how poorly that they treat the people that they're so clearly dependent on as we see in this episode they could not eat or survive without florence or anna yet they continue to like talk about them in this way fail to recognize them for their worth like how truly dependent to them they are and 
Yeah, that is my critique. Yeah, they just, <laughs> they, like, act like the cook not being there was a personal slight towards them, um, rather mm-hmm. than, yeah, like you said, her just wanting to stay safe and doing exactly what Lorelai's doing mm-hmm. by staying home and not driving on these roads. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. Just another example of their, like, kind of ignorance of their own privilege, even in the face of the consequences of not having those people around. Yeah, it's just kind of amazing how they can stay in that headspace. How about you? What were you thinking about? I have to admit, I didn't have anything to critique, but I do have something that I wanted to talk more about, um, which is really like the friendship between uh, Rory and Lane. Um, And kind of more like a critique of all media. (laughs) Um, All all, right, let's go. (laughs) All like teen shows specifically, where um, if the two two characters have a fight, or if one character's not feeling like their needs are being met in a circumstance or in their relationship, like it's never dealt with head-on it always becomes a big fight and leads to all sorts of drama and I feel like that just kind of is perpetuated in our own lives because we see that as examples and I have done this myself like just kind of bottled things up for so long that by the time that it actually gets to a point where I can't stand it anymore like there's no going back basically um, and I just wanted to applaud Rory and Lane for confronting the issue. Lane had, like, a true problem that she was having, and Rory was at fault. Um, Rory didn't get defensive. She just accepted that, yes, I've been doing this. I think it did kind of help that she had got, like, she'd heard Lane's complaints and then had a night to sleep on it, more or less. Um, so maybe that's kind of advice in general, (laughs) although usually there's not, uh, something that forces that to happen, but yeah, she was able to just, like, acknowledge that she has been doing this, promise to do better, and she didn't just promise to do better, she gave a concrete plan of, we're gonna meet up later today and hang out just us. And I feel like that's where most people go wrong in apologies. And I feel like we've seen this a lot mm-hmm. with cancel culture and that kind of stuff where like people put out these apologies and say they'll do better, but then there's no plan of action. And so I thought that this was just a great, mm-hmm. like simple view of a good, healthy friendship where both friends feel like they can express themselves um, and actually be heard and respected, and then, you know, something actually changes. <laughs> um, I was just really, really mm-hmm. happy of it, and sad that we don't see that more in teen uh, media and stuff. Yeah, I think you're so right to point out this was a good example of what accountability looks like, and what a proper apology looks like when you hold yourself accountable to someone else. So many people could learn from Rory mm-hmm. in this moment. <laughs> and Lane, too. Like, Lane has patience. Uh, Lane communicated, things like that. But 
yeah, Rory is, it's kind of on Rory here to set the track record back mm-hmm. correct. And um, I don't, I think, and I'm glad that we can, you know, point out that Rory is doing this well because it's more popular these days to critique Rory, <laughs> yeah. I think, <laughs> and for good reason. But in this moment, she is one half of this friendship and she's helping make it be a healthy and supportive friendship mm-hmm. in this moment. So I was, I think it's really a good model, like you said. And now let's meet at the gazebo to discuss our favorite moment from this episode. What were you thinking about for your gazebo moment? So my gazebo moment is, um, strangely has to do with snow again. Um, but this whole episode does, so of course. Is it so strange at all? <laughs> but, but it's when the reenactors are all standing out in, in the middle of the night, in the cold, it's snowing, and they're sticking to their guns. I mean, literally, um, and also figuratively. Literally. <laughs> um, and standing out there and reenacting this dramatic scene. And Luke, who has been against the reenactment the entire time, sees them out there. Mm-hmm. cold and wet and brings them coffee and then proceeds to take their drink orders wonderful <laughs> i loved it and he wasn't even his trademark cranky self when they started to place orders i thought it was so <laughs> yeah. good it's so good he didn't like make fun <laughs> of them for wanting hot chocolate or tea instead he's just like okay 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 you <laughs> mm-hmm. big softy <laughs> What was your gazebo moment? I also have a gazebo moment centered on Luke too and his his relationship with the reenactor kind of plot line. Um, but earlier, I'm kind of thinking about earlier in the town hall meeting and I have before complimented Luke for his activism and before it was more environmental about golf courses and whatnot but here he proves that um it's like he you know last week we were kind of critiquing the myth of Thanksgiving and whatnot and I think Luke would have been saying the exact same things as us because here uh he critiques the revolutionary war he describes it as um people fighting over a land that they stole in the first place. And that's like a central idea of um, settler colonialism is the idea is that settlers come here to take land and stay and whatnot. Um, And this hairy person responds with a very stereotypical kind of line, like, well, if you don't like America, like I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) He says, go wait in line for toilet paper and the USSR, oh and Luke snaps, ba- snaps back immediately, saying there is no more USSR. Um, I, I'm just in love. I'm in love. Like, Luke is, uh, he's so smart and on point with his critiques, with his knowledge. Um, this felt so right. And then later on, too, he's still kind of pointing out why he doesn't like the reenactors and Lorelai describes it as tradition you know saying it's tradition they do it every year and luke points out um basically he offers like a critique of the use of history here which academics love to do um he talks about how tradition is part of 
making a fairy tale out of the past, acting like things were simpler and better than they are now. Um, and he's like, well, really things sucked then, like they suck now, but we have indoor plumbing now. Um, this like is a, there's a lot of different theories that b- rely on this logic, like pastoralism is one of them where you act like um, there are envi- like beautiful environments that were perfect and simple before, but now we have like capitalism and we use the environment poorly now. And it's like, well, you're just inventing the past where it was perfect, and idyllic. Um, in reality, you gotta contextualize it a bit more. Uh, but I'm getting a bit off track to basically say Luke is so smart, and we need to give him credit for it. I find myself agreeing with him so often in this episode. Um, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love those moments of activism. He's basically critiquing mm-hmm. the American american myth in every way and like just sneaking it in there it needs to be done yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay um so (laughs) send us your your gazebo moment from this episode um or any of the episodes we've covered or even episodes yet to come and you can do this Mm -hmm. in a one minute voice memo or you can write out your gazebo moment and we'll read it and send it to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you and uh, react to your reaction and as we mentioned at the top of the episode we would appreciate any ratings and reviews or subscriptions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts and of course you can always follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with the podcast our handle is Talking Fast Podcast. Okay. Uh, okay. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>